Rob. Neil. How are we? I'm good, thank you. Tired. It was an early start this morning. Okay. Well, you're here in the sunshine. It is. It's, it's not For those who are listening and not watching. <laughs> so, thanks for, for getting onto the podcast today. I really appreciate you coming down. What we always like to do is start off with a bit about you, mm. how you've got into the industry, background as to your company, just to set the scene, and then we can get into a, a bit of detail. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Pleasure. Pleased, pleased to be here. Um, I guess just by way of quick introduction, I'm Rob Green. I'm the uh, founder and CEO of Rectech. Been in the recruitment industry since 2006. Uh, started life as an agency recruiter, like most people, after a few years, decided to uh, see what life was like on the other side of the fence. And my career really you know, took me through talent acquisition, RPO, um, and and. You know, worked for a technology vendor for a long time as well, so I've kind yeah. of seen this industry from lots of different angles. Okay. Um, yeah. Why, why the switch? Why the switch from that to uh, you know, the side? Five years as a recruitment consultant is, is a decent chunk of time. Uh, it's a really interesting industry, and there's yeah. obviously lots going on in recruitment. Yeah. Um, just wanted to see what life was like on the other side of the fence, uh, see if I could, I guess, save as much money as I was making. And, um, yeah. And are you? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm back to making now, fortunately. Yeah, but, but yeah, I uh, I just wanted to gain as much experience as possible, and right. um, I think uh, sitting in the same place for too long is never a good thing. Mm-hmm. So I've always just wanted to, a bit like a sponge, you know, just want to absorb as much experience yeah. as I can, and that, all of that's kind of helped me get to where I am today, and helped me to establish a, a business that's fortunately doing well, and um, yeah, pleased to partner with you guys as well. Yeah, yeah, smashing. So Rectech, <coughs> high level. I know what you guys do, but not everybody yeah. does, but I know a lot yeah. a lot do. So Yeah, so uh, Rectech as an organisation, I initially set the business up as a consulting company with a view to help organisations find the right tech for their needs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I came up with an idea a long time ago, probably 2015, after I'd worked in uh, technology implementation for a long time. I spent some time with Capita as a technology consultant. I worked for higher service, head of services for over five years. And uh, I've managed over 100 ATS implementation projects. So a lot of experience of managing software implementation and helping organizations that perhaps didn't quite know what they were looking for, you know, mm-hmm. requirements analysis and, and so on, process mapping. And um, it's a really difficult thing to do if you, if you don't know what you're doing. And most organizations that are looking for tech, they've either never done it before or it's something that they do every, you know, three to five years, for example. It's not something you get experience of. And um, with the experience that I'd gained throughout the sort of 10, 15 years in that space, I, uh, I really knew that I could create something that was going to make that process more efficient and, you know, more valuable mm-hmm. um, to, to get better outcomes. You know, connecting organisations to the right technology solution providers is really difficult right now. If you, uh, you know, if you think about the options available to someone that's looking for, say, a CRM platform or yeah. an applicant tracking system, you know, they're going to ask their network for advice or they're going to go out to... Um, directories online, you know, there's the, the big four directories are all owned by the same company. Mm-hmm. So if you know that, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it just lists out hundreds and hundreds of, of ATSs and CRMs and actually creates a bit more confusion. And uh, if you think about the way that those organizations are listed on those sites as well, it's typically, you know, whoever's paying the most sits at the top. Um, not necessarily what you're looking for when you're trying to identify the right solution provider. It's always based on a specific set of requirements. 
So I wanted to solve that problem. Mm -hmm. So we've basically developed a platform called RegTech Compare, which is a recruitment technology comparison platform where organizations input a lot of requirements, typically between 50 and 150 requirements. And uh, you know, we use those requirements, instantly analyze them and produce a shortlist of the best matching vendors based on validated data. Yeah. So it makes that whole process much quicker and easier. It does all of the heavy lifting. Um, and off the back of that, we also provide you know, consultancy and advice and procurement support. Okay. So, and is it is it tech across the, the whole space that you look to advise mm. people on, or is it just a certain... Um, predominantly oh. focused on applicant tracking systems and recruitment yeah. agency CRMs, but we've also, yeah. a, a year ago, we created a marketplace of complementary tech, which is the, the other technology that kind of plug into okay. uh, applicant tracking systems and CRMs, so... You know, video interviewing tools, onboarding, sure. um, assessment, screening, reference checking, all the other sort of ancillary okay. products, if you like. So we've got a marketplace of those. So, so before we get into the conversation of where businesses start, mm. since 2015, and I know you've got some stats over the last year where you've, there's differences, but since 2015, what are the the main changes in tech that you've seen within the industry like over the, over the last eight years? Mm. It's fascinating, actually, the industry, because you know the recruitment industry is constantly um, having to kind of adapt to what's going on in the world. Um, if you think about, you know, since I started in recruitment in 2006, you know, we've had an economic downturn, we've had recessions, we've had um, a global pandemic, mm. we've had lockdowns, we've had, you know, the introduction of many, many new technologies, and we're always kind of having to adapt and uh, evolve our technologies to kind of suit what's going on. And, and, you know, the pandemic is just one great example of when we were forced to do things differently mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in a really short, short space of time. Um, so that, you know, you, you see a lot more demand for things like um, team collaboration tools and remote interviewing and uh, background checking becomes more important. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's one of those things where you know the technology industry is constantly evolving, and the demands from users are always kind of focused around what's going on in the world. Uh, and are you finding that the the wider industry and the market dictates those changes, or do you find that it's mm. the recruitment agencies who are wanting the change, and tech has to? go along with it yeah i don't i mean for, if i think back to when i was an agency recruiter you know you always try and be proactive right but at the same time you really focus you're sort of hyper focused on what you're trying to do you're trying to develop business you're not necessarily thinking about um what the industry needs to do or what the industry needs to provide me in order to help me do this better it's not really the recruiters that are innovating no. it's the people that are listening to the problems that those recruiters have so if you're using a specific CRM, for example, target recruit of hundreds of customers, right? You're listening to those customers' requirements and their feedback, and then you adapt the technology based on problems that, mm -hmm. that you, you hear of in the industry. And mm -hmm. of course, every um, every supplier's got a different bunch of customers, and they, you know, they might be geographically based in different, you know, different areas, or they might be in different industry sectors, or they might be organisations of different sizes. So then, what you typically find is those solution providers also are only adapting their technology based on the problems that exist as they understand them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So around their clients rather than the industry on a whole. Yeah, and that's you know, that's one of the things that I think we're fortunate in the sense that we have collected and we're collecting all the time a, you know, a wealth of data from people that are looking for tech and they come from currently 28 different countries. Yeah. 
um, industries, uh, all industry sectors, um, companies of all sizes, and these are both employers and recruitment agencies. So we, we're sitting on a, a huge amount of data that's helping to inform the industry as well as to what the market is looking for. So if, if I was sitting there with a problem running a recruitment company and I needed to change tech, where's a good place to start? Now I know you're going to say your comparison <laughs> website, mm. but where, where, where should a, an organization start? I mean, we see this all the time that we engage with people who they have an idea of what they want, but they don't necessarily know how to go about it because they're not buying software every single week. Exactly. They're not implementing new technology. They're not informing their people necessarily. So it's a, it can be a bit of a minefield for a lot of yeah. people who don't do it regularly. Yeah. And some of the larger organizations that might have people in role who have a lot of that experience, like what you've done in previous jobs. Yeah. But if you, if you don't necessarily know what to do, where's a good place to start? Oh, the other thing is that most organizations don't know what they don't know. So, so it, it, a good place to start is always really trying to understand what it is you need. Um, so I would recommend to every customer, whether it's a, a recruitment agency or you know, a, a corporate organization looking for an ATS, I'd always recommend to start with your requirements. Work out as an organization you know, where, the, where the problems exist in the business. Map out your processes from end to end, all the way from you know when you when you take a requisition from a client, for example, or if you're a, uh, if you're an employer, when a hiring manager raises a requisition in the business, all the way through to when your client onboards somebody into their business, or if you're an employer, when you onboard somebody into into the organisation, and, and think about every single person that's involved in that process. Mm -hmm. Think about every single touch point they have with that uh, either talent acquisition or, or recruitment process, and think about. You know how long those processes take. Think about uh, where the frustrations are, where the pain points are, where can the experience for that particular user be better. Once you've collected all of that together and you've got a really good understanding of what it is you need or the problems that you're trying to solve, mm -hmm. that's where you should start. And um, once you've once you've got that, then you go out to market. Do you find that a lot of companies don't actually know what don't know that they have perhaps a problem or a broken process which can be fixed easily? with tech Definitely. so for example interrogating linkedin yeah. some people just live yeah. within linkedin yeah pass the information manually into their crm you'll have some people who brand a cv yeah. manually rather than using tech to take away the, the legwork so how, how do companies go around understanding where tech can streamline a process reduce manual investment where where do the where do the start you know you, tech shows is it going online is it speaking with colleagues where do the yeah. where do the start <clears throat> i don't think i've ever run a workshop where there's not been like a eureka moment you know yeah, yeah. Um, i've run some some workshops with you know many kind of large enterprises many local government clients where their requirements are pretty complex because their recruitment process are managed by multiple teams all trying to talk to each other at the same time so sometimes it's really tricky but when uh, when you speak to an expert somebody that knows the technology market inside and out that really understands the recruitment process and they can kind of link those two together and really identify you know, if you've got a good understanding of all of the solutions available and you've got a good understanding of the problems then you can kind of mesh those two together and you can create a solution to that specific mm -hmm. um you know that specific process i think that's where a lot of people fall short i think they go out and they buy something almost because they're under pressure to get something in. Maybe the business is putting them under pressure to do something quickly, um, or maybe they've only got a short amount of time before their current contract expires and they don't want to renew that contract. Yeah. So sometimes they find themselves under a bit of pressure. And then you do things like 
asking your network, which isn't a bad idea, asking your network um, you know, what solutions they use and what their experience is like. It, it's always good to do that, but I also think that there's a risk, isn't there, doing that? Because every organisation is different. We've all got different people, we've got different processes, we've got different objectives. Um, so our needs are going to be very different to another organisation that we might talk to that's mm -hmm. using uh, a CRM mm -hmm. that they might be having a good experience with. Mm -hmm. And all of these things need to be configured in order to solve specific issues within a business. And just because one organisation is having a great time, it doesn't mean that you will. Um, and how often should a company look to review their tech stack? Like you said before, there's a, you know, there's a lot of providers out there who look to support their clients and they perhaps develop their solution around what their clients are telling them, which is fantastic. I think it's, it's how the, the, you know, the lion's share of providers out in the market enhance their software. But how often would you recommend an organization to almost stop, take stock of what they've yeah. got to see if things can be improved? Mm. Is it when, you know, is it is it on a time duration? Is it when they're looking to diversify, looking to expand into new regions, or is it all the above? I think it's all the time. I think all you time, should, okay. I mean, if you think about what's changing all the time, you know, we, we've already highlighted like a, a number of um, things that have happened in the world, you know, um, how fast technology is evolving, for example. If new technologies come into the market and you're sat in a contract for, you know, the next two to three years, um, you might not be looking and therefore you might be missing out on potential efficiency gains. So I think you should be looking, not necessarily looking to change solution, but you should be constantly mm -hmm. looking at the market and what the market is doing and analysing, um, you know, are there new technologies that are coming to play that can support our strategy? And you should be constantly, um, constantly evaluating the performance of that strategy. So if, you, if you're a, an employer, for example, and you've got a, you'll have a talent acquisition strategy in place, how do we attract candidates? How do we onboard them? How do we, um, you know, how do we complete that process from end to end in the most efficient amount of time? You're going to be constantly evaluating the performance of that strategy or the efficiency of that strategy. Mm -hmm. And uh, in, in doing that, you're going to be evaluating how we can do some, some of those things might not be happening as, as quick as we want them to. How can we make that faster? And, and the first place you're going to look at is the current tech that you're using. How can we squeeze more out of it? And, and that is the best place to start because, you know, you might, be, um, you might be using a CRM, for example, and maybe you're not necessarily so in touch with the solution provider. And it might be that they're actually releasing new features into the product all the time. And if you're not aware of them, then there are efficiency gains to be had there that you're not aware of. So I, I always say that keeping that relationship with the solution provider mm -hmm. is, is really important. Um, make sure that they're working for you as well, that they understand your business. And if, you, uh, if they release a new feature, that you know, they're keeping in touch with you. Uh, most of them have customer success managers and account managers and so on. But yeah. that's your first point of call. Okay. If you've got a problem uh, or, or you know, something you're trying to solve internally that can be solved with tech, always start with the current solution. Get some expert help from that business to work out yeah. how you can best change your configuration or the way that the solution is implemented to create those efficiencies that you need. Yeah, and when people come to us, a big portion cite that as the reason why they are looking to move CRM because that relationship with their provider just just isn't there. They, it perhaps was at the beginning but isn't anymore or what they want now isn't because their business has changed. It's not within their existing system. Yeah. You've said that people should be looking at tech all the time and 
improving it and getting the most out of what they've got. But who across the company should be responsible for that? It's a really good question. And, and I think it really does vary depending on the company that you're talking to. And a lot of, uh, a lot of organisations that we work with don't have somebody in place that's doing this. No. You know, it kind of falls on the, uh, the head of TA or, uh, you know, in a smaller recruitment business, it's the, it's the directors of the business that mm. kind of have to keep uh, abreast of this. But if you think about all of the other things mm. that, that they're involved in, they're pulled in lots of different directions. Technology, if it's working, you know, it's doing its job. You don't tend to kind of focus on it too much. Um, and it's only then when a you know when a commercial issue comes along, we've got a renewal and the, maybe the price is going up. Then you might start thinking about tech. And but by that time, it might be there's only a few months left. And this is kind of what we see. Yeah, it's a squeeze quite frequently that you're trying to um, solve these problems too quickly. Unfortunately, our solution does all of that kind of heavy lifting up front, yeah. and it does speed up that process dramatically. And for organisations that also go through a, a formal tender process, we've built a tool that um, manages um, all of the RFI automation as well. So if you find yourself in that situation, we can definitely help, but I wouldn't recommend getting in that situation in the first place. You know, have someone that is kind of keeping an eye on this and uh, you know, is very much focused on um, not just technology contracts, but technology relationships. And when, when that identifying the problems, when Where's the tipping point of where the problem becomes unsustainable, where the company says, okay, things need to change? Is there, is there that moment or does it really differ on from company to company? Yeah, I think it's, it, it differs from company to company. There's not kind of, you know, it's not, a, it, it's, it, it's not something that it doesn't happen naturally. I think it's, it's one of those things where it's focused around perhaps as I said, the commercial element to it, you're, you're locked into a contract for a period of time. Most people then um, won't look at technology again until that contract's up for renewal. Sure. Um, unless, of course, you know, something happens and you know, the technology solution provider or their relationship with the technology solution provider breaks down. Um, yeah. Yeah, we, we find it's a mixed bag. At mm -hmm. the minute, a lot of it is where companies are looking to move into new regions and their existing provider doesn't support it. They're looking to diversify into different lines of business, say temp from perm or maintain perm but moving to temp, yeah. but their existing provider doesn't do temp. A lot of it is, like I've mentioned, is when the relationship with the provider's mm. broken down. It's also when that contract is coming to an end. We see a lot of companies who are adamant that they'll move, others who are kind of just looking to see what's in the market, which you know, is absolutely fine where we're happy to have that conversation with them to say, look, you know, where are you at the moment? A bit like what you said, mapping out the processes, understanding where the pain points are, making them realize that there could be other options out there. Mm. When they do realize that there's a problem which needs to be fixed, let's just go into a bit more detail about mm. what those next steps should be. So, you know, you've obviously got your tool, which does the full comparison. Um, mm. And you said about mapping out the requirements, mapping out the processes. Once they've done that initial fact finding, what would you then recommend organizations to do once they've kind of understood what they need? Mm. What happens after that? So we typically provide a, a short list of vendors and uh, I think on average that's 6.2 vendors. You know, we always say, make sure that you're looking at a sufficient portion of the market. Um, so Altor is looking at a very wide portion of the market and it brings it down into a very narrow channel in a short space of time. I'd recommend that you, you know, as you're receiving demonstrations from these vendors, make sure that you're constantly 
keeping those requirements in mind and you're evaluating each of those vendors mm -hmm. in exactly the same way. So everything's kind of fair and consistent. Um, it, you know, it also makes sure as well that if you've got all of those requirements in mind and you can either like physically put together a checklist of things that you want to cover off with every vendor or within our tool we built an evaluation feature which basically looks at all of the requirements you specified and it gives you a little star rating next to each one so you can actually evaluate them and it gives you a, a, a more subjective score. Um, keeping those in mind also kind of keeps those demonstrations on track. It makes sure that, you know, a... Uh, I've got to be mindful I'm talking to a sales, <laughs> yeah, head of sales for a solution provider. Um, you know, when you guys are delivering demonstrations, you kind of get into your own flow. If you've delivered, you know, 50 to 100 demonstrations, you typically get into, you know, you're using maybe the same candidates as examples, maybe mm -hmm. the same jobs, or maybe you're flowing through the same process because you want to keep things efficient in your own processes mm -hmm. as you're delivering a demonstration. Um, so it's quite easy in that situation when you've got a client that's receiving a demonstration from someone that is an expert at delivering it, that it's quite easy to kind of go off track. And you might start demonstrating features that actually this client doesn't really need. And um, having, a, having a checklist or keeping their requirements in mind really helps to kind of make sure that that demonstration is, is focused on the needs of that customer. And that's something that we always encourage. Okay. So you've got the requirements list and then you then look at the shortlist. If, let's say, an organisation isn't working with RecTech, mm. how do they go about getting a shortlist where, you know, we know there's dozens of providers out there who do Hundreds. similar things? Yeah. 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 yeah it Take is a CRM challenge. as yeah. an example. Yeah. Like where, where would somebody start? Would you... Yeah. Well, they, they, you know, they, they typically go out to their networks, you know, they might put a post on, we see posts on, on, on LinkedIn all the time. And there's also tons of, uh, you know, communities popping up all over the place. There's, there's WhatsApp yeah. groups, there's Slack channels, uh, there's Facebook groups and communities. So people typically, um, you know, people typically kind of gravitate towards the, their easiest source of, um, uh, I, I guess, peers in the industry that can provide that. Uh, feedback as quickly as possible. I'm, I'm in a few WhatsApp groups. One of them's got like 800 mm -hmm. members, eight, more than 800 members. Mm -hmm. um, and they're all recruiters mm -hmm. and people in this industry. And when somebody wants support um, around, you know, recruitment, CRM selection, for example, they'll put a post on there and instantly they're, they're bombarded with different responses. Um, when you get to a group of that size, you know, it, it actually doesn't solve the problem like because what, you, what you've got is, you know, 800 people in there, they're probably between them using 100 different solutions and, and maybe 25% of the group engage in that conversation yeah. and suddenly you've got um, 25 different solutions to look at. So okay. it, doesn't really, it doesn't really help, to be honest, unless everybody's telling you exactly the same thing, mm -hmm. which is very unlikely given the volume of vendors out there in the market. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's, and, and I think if you're going to do that, if you're going to go out to your network or you're going to go out to somebody's communities and ask them for help, don't just put a question on that group saying, what's the best CRM? Because it's a ridiculous question. It's got to be very bespoke to your specific needs. You know, what type of organization are you working in? What sort of volumes are you dealing with? Is it, is it temp recruitment, perm recruitment? They're all the high level stuff. But really, the more detail you can provide somebody, the more likely it is you're going to find one of those 800 people that actually have a really similar um, organization or they work in a similar organization. And then you're going to get more tailored feedback. You're not going to get 25 different responses. You're going to get maybe three or four, and that's where you need to be. So just be as specific as possible. Yeah. When you go out and ask for help, make sure that you, um, you, 
Yeah. Provided. It's pointing around what you're after. Yeah. Yeah. And, and okay, so let's say you, okay, so you got your requirements list. <clears throat> You've got a list of shortlisted uh, providers. What, how would you recommend people engage with software companies out there? Because again, you know, we, we, you know, have initial inquiries. Yeah. People, because they don't buy software every single week, mm-hmm. they're looking almost for some guidance, hand holding through the process. So what yeah. should what should a company do when they start to engage yeah. with with a provider or providers? I think one of the things to keep in mind is that every provider they talk to yeah. is going to want them to buy their software. Yeah. It's natural, right? You know, when I worked for HireSurf, for example, I got involved in um, hundreds of demonstrations, and I was always as you know naturally kind of coaching people to buy our software because I'm uh, I'm an expert in this particular piece of software. I understand your requirements. And I'm demonstrating how our software meets those requirements and, and therefore I really want you to buy it. Um, so I think you, you need to kind of keep a really open mind when it comes to these, um, you know, these discussions, uh, but also at the same time, as I mentioned before, really stay like hyper-focused on what it is you need and, and don't kind of get blindsided by new features and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Any other... So obviously... There's a lot of software providers out there who do very similar things. Mm. So are there any standout things which a company should be looking for within an organization to think, okay, yeah, they could be a really good partner with us? Um, we, we see a mixed bag from our side. You know, It yeah. could be that they have a, a list of requirements, but they really want to know what the client retention is. They want to really know that the, the data yeah. centers that we use yeah. are going to be reliable and, and not fall down yeah. if, if something dramatic happened. Yeah. So, but again, because people aren't necessarily buying software on a regular basis, they don't always know what to ask for or look out for. So where do you find that sort yeah. of information out? Yeah, we talked about kind of mapping out a recruitment process earlier, and that takes in, into consideration kind of software features you might need to solve specific problems. But outside of recruitment, you've got things like IT, compliance, finance, you know, all of these uh, other constraints that are kind of you know, I guess influencing your yeah. requirements as a business. Yeah. So, yeah, another good tip would yeah. be to make sure that when you do go out to do this, that actually you're getting the right people in the business involved, that you've got the budget in place. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, you know where your your limit is in terms of how much you can spend, uh, where data needs to be stored, the kind of support that you might need, mm-hmm. um, the compliance requirements, ISO certifications, all mm-hmm. of that kind of stuff. Um, so make sure you've got the right people in the business involved. Um, and again, it's going back to kind of RecTech Compare as a platform, it, it does all of that in terms of capturing those compliance requirements and support requirements. Okay. But I think one of the most important things is when we talked about relationships breaking down earlier, you know, one of the most important things when you buy a piece of tech is actually you're not just buying a piece of software, you're actually buying into a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, so be thinking about the people within the business that you're working with. Um, have they got the right level of experience to kind of provide the expertise that we need as our business goes through change um, are they gonna constantly provide the level of support that we expect as an organization to to help us with things like configuration changes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, is there a cost for that or is that part of their service Th- those are the kind of things that you need to be thinking about and, and also what does their roadmap look like for the next 12 24 months are they going to be bringing in new features that are actually going to enhance what we're doing over the next you know see so it's, it's got to be 
it's got to be a lot more about the people behind the tech than it is just about the tech. Yeah, okay. And, um, you know, if you took target recruit as an organization, you know, you guys are, are really good in the, in the enterprise space or larger, larger agencies, for example. Think about who their customers are. If you're working with a, or you're talking to a CRM solution provider that's very good at providing to startups, and you know you've got a hundred employees in your business. Mm -hmm. Make sure that you're working with organisations that have experience of working with companies of your size mm -hmm. that have got the resources in place to to support you um, as you go through growth and change. Um, you know what kind of training do they offer? Um, are we just going to be given a product and told to get on with it, or yeah. is somebody actually going to come into our business, understand our requirements int intimately, and and configure this solution? to a very granular level so that the efficiency we get from uh, from the platform or the gains that we get from that platform is is where we need it to be. So fast forward a little bit. So you've done let's so you've done the, your fact find, you've got your requirements, you've got your business needs and processes, you're now, you know, ready to go ahead with a provider. That mindset of selection to then actually implementing with the view of going live in however long it would take. That mindset and also the people involved in that, from what we see, changes quite dramatically overnight. You deal with, you know, perhaps the commercial team from the from the client, and then overnight you then start dealing with a very different team of people yeah. who specialise in, you know, project management, implementation, the due diligence. You said that you've been involved in over a hundred implementations. Yeah. Where what should people be looking out for on the implementation side because great choosing the right provider yeah. but if the implementation's not on solid ground yeah. it's not going to be a successful yeah, you, project the, that that handover is crucial to the success of an implementation project and more often than not the expectations of the client are not met because the organization they're working with don't work closely enough together between commercial and implementations you'll have a services team and you'll have a sales team and i've seen this so many times where somebody will go in and sell a piece of software and you know their objective is to get a contract signed. Mm -hmm. um, you're going in there, your job is mm -hmm. to sell the software to this organization and some organizations are really good about you know their sales team being completely um, educated on how the product works, what its limitations are and some aren't. You know some some sales teams or you know if you if you think about maybe some of the larger organizations where you might have a growing sales team or you might have more attrition in that team you've got people coming into it all the time that perhaps aren't as educated as they need to be and you know they might come from a background where perhaps they're doing a bit more of a hard sell um, it's a recipe for disaster because essentially what you're doing is you're getting somebody demonstrate your product or um, maybe doesn't have the understanding of your requirements that they need and doesn't really have the full understanding of the product and as, as salespeople, we're kind of um, you know, it, it, it's in us to say yes to everything. And sometimes that then falls on the services team to kind of pick up where there's this sudden realization happens that actually it's not quite what I thought it was going to be. Mm -hmm. I've seen this too many times. Um, some organizations are really good at this. Some organizations have a, a very strong link between commercial and services, you know, between the, the, the sales people and the services people. Sometimes they're intrinsically connected within the business mm -hmm. that they almost sometimes the sales folks like you know you've been at, at target recruit for a long time you understand very well what the what the product does and what its capabilities are 
um, some organisations might have people demonstrating a product and they've been in the business for a couple of weeks and it's a, yeah. it's a bit of a gamble when you do that because then you know, it's left to the services team to kind of pick up the pieces yeah. and also manage those expectations with the client who's kind of expecting that everything that, the, you know, that, that they were kind of told during that pre-sale cycle is absolutely accurate and most of the time it is but it's a, you know, it's, it is a problem that happens in the industry and I don't really know as an industry what you can do about that other than yeah we see a lot of successful projects from from our experiences when you've had an individual who's been involved from the outset from the initial engagement you know the hello we're interested in all the way through and then all the way through to kickoff but then they're involved in the actual implementation now i know not every organization can spare that resource mm. but if you've got that lead from the beginning who then goes through the initial implementation and then beyond and go live you've almost we find you've got consistency and that regular contact yeah. with the with the provider and the engagement throughout if anything if there is a bump in the road it's very easy then to get back together with the provider and say look this is the situation let's get it resolved but where you've got a change in personnel from the the, the selection of the software to then the implementation there's usually a, a disjoint with that consistency yeah because then agree. yeah the implementation team then have to pick up the pieces mm. and do the the heavy lifting to get it to get it implemented now that might be their speciality but they haven't necessarily been exposed to all the conversations prior to then yeah so that's what that's what we experience i know that not all, yeah. all companies can spare the resources i say mm. but if you can have somebody who's involved from the beginning all the way through to yeah. the end and beyond yeah it just makes the relationship with the provider that bit smoother. Completely agree. Yeah, they kind of act as the glue, don't they? And and I know when I um, when I answered your last question, I was kind of focused more on the, um, you know, the kind of behaviours within a recruitment software vendor. But actually, the same can be said of a client. You know, if you've got a change in personnel, or if you've got somebody that hasn't quite worked hard enough to understand what they're being shown then their expectation might not be where it should be. Yeah. And, and so there's, there's always kind of between that process between signing a contract and implementing a solution, there's always going to be some, um, I, I guess, some expectation management to, to try and get things aligned. And I think there's a, a, an onus on the client to make sure that they have the right people in place. I know a lot of the clients that we work with, especially the larger agencies, they bring in you know, project managers specifically mm -hmm. to support this. And, and sometimes they don't do that until a contract is signed until yeah. they know who they're going to be implementing and roughly how long it's going to take and that kind of informs the requirement for that role almost um, but that's too late what you need yeah. is somebody that is there from the beginning that actually works with you through the procurement process who yeah. understands the needs of the business before you go out to tender or before you go out to market yeah so okay. um, yeah I think there's, there's a responsibility on the client to make sure they've got the right resources to implement a solution successfully it's not just buy it and leave it to the, um, leave it to the vendor to implement. Mm -hmm. the, the vendor might provide you with those resources, but they've really got to understand the business enough to implement it correctly, and you've got to have the resources to be able to um, provide that information mm -hmm. in, in, a, in a very consistent way. Okay. So taking a step back now, so that's kind of like the, the procurement and the implementation process. Mm -hmm. Taking a step back, you were mentioning before, when we are getting set up here today that there's been some changes just in the last 12 months as to what organizations out there that yeah. their problems what they're after so do, just elaborate a bit more about that i think it kind of goes back to you know what i said about 
the recruitment industry having to respond to what's going on in the industry. You know, we've uh, we've we've had a, a global pandemic, which has caused um, an, an increase in remote working. An increase in remote working causes an increase in remote hiring, and therefore that has an impact on how people work together instead of being sat around the same office and being able to actually get up and talk to each other. There's now a technology requirement to actually provide better tools to allow them to collaborate remotely. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. things that are going on in the industry have sometimes an almost instant impact on our requirements as a business. And you know, fortunately, you can turn to if your CRM solution doesn't provide you with the tools to collaborate. You know, Most organizations already have something in place like Teams or, or Slack or Zoom or whatever you might use to kind of communicate internally. Um, but that's just one example. You know, if you think about um, when you're hiring remotely, for example, there's more video interviewing going on. And it, it might now be that actually we, uh, we need a, a change to our process so that we can support remote interviewing. You might even be hiring people without ever meeting them face to face in person. You might meet them face to face over video, but you might not meet them face to face because, you know, now suddenly everybody is working remotely. Our pool of candidates almost increases, well, dramatically, right? Mm -hmm. Because now we can hire people that are a hundred miles away, a thousand miles away in a different country, whereas before we'd be looking for somebody that could travel into the office. So, you know, you might not always have the luxury of being able to actually meet somebody in person before you hire them and therefore there's you know perhaps greater emphasis on doing more due diligence like background checks and performing online testing and assessments so demand for those kind of technologies has increased dramatically i did actually uh this morning before we started i ran a few um, reports out of our platform and i did mm. see um things like um I, I saw reporting as being something that has increased significantly over over the last 12 months, I took some, a snapshot of data from half one last year to half one 2023, so 2022 to 2023. And things like um, data visualization, for example, people actually needing to be able to visualize information out of their platform, um, not, not just see numbers on a spreadsheet, but actually be able to see something more meaningful, more graphical within a, um, a CRM solution. And this mm. is specifically agencies within uh, our platform looking for a recruitment CRM. So they input lots and lots of requirements about what they need and we, we kind of use that to produce these stats. Um, so it went from 52% of organisations that needed data to be visualised within a platform last year to 81% this year. Wow. Um, th that's a massive jump. If you think about the onus that organisations are putting on reporting, um, being able to kind of interpret that information and provide better information back to the business allows the business to make more informed decisions and data-driven decisions, um, which I think we've seen you know a, a lot more of in uh, in recent times. When there's uncertainty and people don't really know what's going on, they always turn to data. Um, you know, accurate data produces actionable insights, and that allows us to make adjustments to what we're doing mm -hmm. in order to make sure that we retain uh, our projections, our growth, and 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 we can have more accurate forecasting by spotting trends. Okay. So, you, so, so it's the visualization of the report, and you think, do you think that's because of the, like what you mentioned, there's more need to do remote collaboration, there's been changes in the way that businesses operate around hiring process, the due diligence, and essentially people aren't necessarily sitting in the same office where they can get together, have a discussion, mm. 
share ideas and make decisions. So they were having to rely on what the data is telling them to then make the decision. I think so. Okay. Yeah, um, but I think that's always been the case. I just think when you when you disconnect people from, you know, one say central location like a head office or whatever, when people start working remotely, they become a bit more disconnected, and therefore, I think it does become more important to be able to communicate not just information but data as well and I think you know this is just one example of I put a handful together um, but that, that's one example of something that I think has become more important to organizations over over the last 12 months um, I'm sure if I took that data from a year before mm. it would have been even lower uh, so mm. I'm not saying everything's happened over the last 12 months I think yeah. it's probably been more the last 24 36 but I'm just looking at the last 12 months I think if we went back two years, three years, you probably would see, you know, that 52% might be more like 30%, and it might be, that's a pretty big jump. Yeah. You would expect, though, that in one and two people a year ago saying, yeah, data visualization is important, you'd just like naturally expect that to be in in the 90%, yeah. surely. No, not always. No, I mean, smaller organizations that use our platform, for example, don't necessarily have that kind of hierarchy within the business. Where, okay. they, where they need to report up that kind of information. So they've got a bit more of a grasp on yeah. the business and what's happening. I think you would be right if we were looking at the corporates. Sure. So corporate organisations are much bigger and there tends to be more organisational structure in a corporate organisation. Yeah. Within That's an agency, if you think in the UK, the average agency size is seven employees. Yeah. Um, a lot of the time, the people that are actually, you know, they've got the boots on the ground are the, the people that are running the business and therefore they, they're, they're experiencing it. So they don't necessarily need somebody else to tell them what's going on. Mm. Um, I, I still think it's useful. Mm. You know, um, our, our business is very small, but we massively rely on data mm. to tell us what we need to be doing, to tell us you know the the enhancements we need to be making to our product in order to affect a better service. Yeah. I still need data to do that. I might have my eyes on this 100% of the time, um, but actually, there's a lot of things that you don't see that data can tell you. Yeah, because no, there's not many people, businesses out there who want to stay stagnant and stay with you know their current turnover, stay with their current employee size. They're just thinking of the here and now. They want to grow. Yeah. So yeah, that that's my initial reaction. That I would expect that it to have been higher, or that at least have yeah. a, a, a grip on the data mm. in a in a meaningful way. Yeah. I mean, we could certainly drill down into that data and say, you know, you're probably right if we look at some of the bigger agencies, but this is taking into consideration everybody, every every agency for the last twelve yeah. months that's conducted. A, uh, a comparison within our platform. And it's what, what else did you find? Uh, so recruitment cost tracking, unsurprisingly, people are you know putting more emphasis now on spend management and cost control. So they want mm. better tools within their platform. This is fueling your product, isn't it? It is. <laughs> That's very nice. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, recruitment cost tracking was definitely up there uh, in terms of stats. That grew from forty eight percent in half one twenty two to sixty four percent in in half one twenty three. Again, you might say sixty four percent is quite low, um, but it's it's that kind of that jump that we're looking at. It's like a almost a fifty percent increase in yeah. people that are putting emphasis on better cost controls and spend management. And when I say recruitment cost tracking, I mean things like um, how much is it costing us to hire an individual either for our client or into our business. Yeah. And um, you might have a, a good idea of that, but it, it will include all sorts of things, like how much does it cost us to post a vacancy? How much does it cost us to interview somebody? How much does it cost us to, um, you know, how much does it cost us in potentially even time to interview these people? Um, there are all sorts of expenses that might go into um, creating a vacancy and getting somebody on board. There's a whole bunch of stuff that goes in there. It's not just... No, of course. Right, you know, write a job description, stick it online, and magically someone appears yeah. in the office. They might come in for an interview. You might pay their expenses. They might, 
Um, you know, they might stay in a hotel, they might be traveling some distance. There's lots of things to consider, but people want a way of being able to track that data so that they can, again, make better um, or create better reports to make better decisions. Okay. Uh, I mentioned backgrounds checking. Um, that's definitely seen an increase. Again, doesn't sound drastic, but it's gone up from 41% to 50%. This is in the agency space. I think in the corporate space, that's going to be much higher. Um, but organizations within the agency space that are looking for ways of better screening their candidates that they're sending to, to clients gone up from 41% to 50%. Yeah. It's like a 20% increase. I guess that feeds into the whole recruitment cost. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely. want to have the right people to put in the right in front of the right people. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you're not necessarily meeting those candidates in person like you used to, I remember you know back when I worked at Reed, for example, we had the luxury of having a an office in a town centre location, and most of our clients were in the the local area. Mm. We'd be able to jump in the car, sometimes walk to go mm. and see a client, and you know being in a town centre location, we'd have multiple candidates coming into the office mm. in one day, where we can sit down in a room and we can get to know them, we can understand what it is they what they need and where they're going to add value and the kind of organizations that they're going to fit into. Um, that's much, much harder to do when you're doing things remotely and you're not seeing people face to face. And even, you know, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the recruiters now that were previously sat in an office are now working at home and that people aren't coming to their house to meet them. They're, they're still having to travel. And if, um, you know, if, if candidates are further away, then uh, it doesn't happen. They, okay. they rely on, um, on things like zoom and teams to kind mm. of conduct those, those, uh, those meetings. Um, team collaboration tools went up from 72% to 89%. Yeah. And, and importantly, it's not just the amount of organizations that are looking for these features, but it's actually the significance that they place on these features as well. We've seen that shift. So every time um, an organization provides us with a requirement, they don't just tick a box and say, yeah, we need team collaboration tools. They actually indicate how important it is to their business. And we've seen that rise in significantly. Um, 40% of the 89% of organizations that say they want team collaboration tools in the half of this first half of this year, 40% of them marked it as very important. Okay. Whereas if you looked at the same stats last year, I think it was about 32% marked it as slightly important. So the majority uh, looking for those kind of tools marked it as slightly important or indicated mm -hmm. it was mm -hmm. not so significant for their business. And now they're placing much greater emphasis on it. So it's not just more organizations that need it. It's also um, more weight being assigned to that particular feature and do you think that's obviously with the the change in in working practice a lot of people working from home but is it, do you think it's also the acceptance that a lot of companies out there almost take the basics for granted because they're three four generation buyers into the into the market so mm -hmm. some of those features which might have been standout five, ten years ago, they almost take it as granted, okay, we expect the software to do that, but what we're looking for now is more that market-leading yeah. stuff. Yeah, I think you're right. I think a lot of the stuff that we're seeing an increase in demand for, a lot of it's not new. A lot yeah. has been around for a long time. It's just that now more people want it. Yeah. Okay. Um, and that kind of, you know, when I think back to some of the organizations that I've worked for, and I've, I've when I spent some time at Capita, I worked with lots of ATS vendors, and all of those solutions were different. And some of them... We're, we're creating features back then. Like, you take the recruitment cost tracking, that's been around for decades. Right? But maybe back then, uh, only a smaller portion of, of organizations needed it. It, mm -hmm. was, it was there because at some point in time, a customer that was valuable to that particular solution provider said, we need it, and they've gone and built it. Yeah, okay. Um, and, and now what's happening is that those vendors that actually were innovating 10 years ago are now getting more business because they've actually got all of the features yeah. that all of these clients need in this yeah. kind of evolving yeah, of industry that we, we work in. 
one area which there's kind of been a shift over kind of like the five, last five, ten years with, with organisations. They, they wanted, several years ago, they wanted to find one provider who did everything. And more often than not, it would do some of the basics well, but then it didn't necessarily have a lot of depth of functionality. And particularly with Target Recruit being built on Salesforce, we, we engage with a lot of organisations who want best of breed in certain areas. Mm. So you've mentioned, you know, team collaboration, um, you know, anything from CV parsing, CV editing, um, pushing through to pay and bill systems, uh, workforce management where applicable for, uh, you know, in, in temp space, where they get that perhaps the core CRM provider might have some functionality, but not necessarily all of the areas that they're after. And companies now are a lot more open-minded about working with individual providers who do things very well and have that depth of functionality but they want integration they want everything to be knitted together they don't want to be doing the import the export routine they don't want to be having to send information out via you know email or OneDrive. they want one system which talks together and they, they don't always want the name the same name to be yeah. doing everything yeah but as long as it's all knitted together and integrated well that's one of the top three reasons why people come and talk to us. Um, again, because you know we're built on Salesforce, they know that there's a lot of integration capabilities with with Target Recruit. Yeah. What what's your take on that? Well, I, I think any organisation that that uses a, a CRM like a, a Salesforce, for example, um, or an applicant tracking system within the talent acquisition team, that piece of software sits at the heart of what they do. Mm -hmm. You know, and they they they're always going to want more from an ATS or a CRM mm -hmm. in terms of supporting them with their day-to-day their, their -day role. And I, I think if you go back, say, 20 years and you look at the ATS industry, there were less complement, what we call complementary technologies. You yeah. know, the, the other technologies that mentioned, CV parsing, video interviewing, team collaboration, all of those other tools that, that perhaps didn't necessarily exist back then. Yeah. Um, so there was more pressure at that point on the ATS vendors and the CRM vendors to try and innovate their solution. Sure. Um, and, and what they would do is they would not necessarily, they're not experts in video interviewing, yeah, for example. Yeah. So if, if you if you think about um, as a CRM solution provider, even Salesforce is a great example. They have a marketplace. Mm -hmm. um, there's a Salesforce marketplace where you can install any number, and there must be hundreds, thousands of plugins available. 4,000. 4,000 yeah. plugins yeah. available. So for that exact reason, that, that Salesforce is an expert at producing candidate relation or client relationship management software. Not candidate relationship management, but, you know, um, they're, they're an expert in CRM. And, you know, they work with clients all around the world, probably hundreds of thousands of clients around the world that all have different businesses and different needs, and therefore they need more tools to support their productivity. And uh, integration is definitely something that has become a bigger and bigger topic of conversation. And, and now it's kind of, it's an absolute given that every technology vendor out there has an API. Uh, every technology vendor out there has integrations with various other technology providers because it supports them mm -hmm. in winning new business. Mm -hmm. um, Target Recruit have a, you know, the luxury of being built on Salesforce and, and there's access to what, four, do you say 4,000? 
uh, overlap, yeah, but so, last count, yeah. And, and so within target recruit, you know, you might have um, your customers that perhaps want to take advantage of some of those um, Salesforce plugins that mm -hmm. wouldn't be typically available within a, mm -hmm. a, a recruitment CRM. So there's mm -hmm. a big advantage to that. Um, but those other the applicant tracking systems and recruitment CRM vendors out there that are very, um, you know, very focused on providing to the recruitment industry and and um, uh, and employers out there, I think those integrations are, um, you know, they're, they're, they're pretty challenging to build sometimes. They're, there's a lot of effort required in order mm -hmm. to build an integration. Um, you've got to be very selective about who you partner with mm -hmm. because every time you build a new integration, you've got another relationship to mm -hmm. manage, which is expensive. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, we've seen an increase in demand for somebody's API connectivity tools. Zapier is a great example. Um, I think when I first saw Zapier, it had something like 2,000 apps. Uh, connected to Zapier, and now it's at about five or six thousand. It's growing so fast. Yeah. Um, and if you were, uh, you know, an ATS vendor, and you wanted to, I guess, kill a hundred birds with one stone, build an integration to Zapier, because any customer can go onto Zapier and they can connect Salesforce, for example, to any other app that's connected to Zapier. It's kind of that middleware. Yeah. That that does that transaction. You know, it manages yeah. the 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 the, uh, the discussion between or the the transactions between those two systems if you like it's a it's a connectivity tool yeah and i think that um, comes back to kind of the, the, the platform it, it's something we talk about a lot of target recruit that we're much more than just a product we're built on a platform which gives clients the capability to grow around the solution rather than the solution rather than them having the solution grows around them rather than the, them having to adapt around the software um, and I, th I think it, for some organizations it can be quite difficult for them to kind of get that concept in mind that mm. and then we sometimes have to you know take it back to basics and say look at your iPhone and look at the iStore that's kind of what you've got with with Target Recruit or Salesforce you've got complementary apps which can plug in and enhance the, fu the functionality whereas years ago like you mentioned you would have a provider and if they wanted to do if they want additional functionality they would either develop themselves not necessarily do a great job of it mm. or they would acquire a business and then look to build the integration you know i've worked for organizations like that but i think there's been a, a real shift in the market over the last few years where people get that if there's a core platform which ha then has ability to integrate with third-party systems around their organization it it just makes that whole integration piece that bit easier and therefore the flow of information the transactions like you say are tighter your data is more your, your data is safer the information has more integrity to it and it the the whole solution becomes becomes one and grows and adapts around how businesses change exactly it goes back to right to the beginning of what we talked about when we were looking at process mapping it's how to get to you know from from requisition through to onboarding somebody yeah. or hiring somebody for a client in the most efficient way in the yeah. most cost effective way and having all of these other technologies that you can leverage is is a great way of doing that and integration is absolutely key for any solution provider out there i guess the challenge really is how do those clients understand what all of those other technologies are? You're opening up another, you know, they can they can connect their existing technologies. If they're using like a, a finance system like a, a Sage or a Xero or QuickBooks and they want to perhaps send um, information from a recruitment CRM to 
zero in order mm -hmm. to, produce, to produce an invoice. Mm -hmm. they, they know that they need that. But mm -hmm. it, are there other technologies out there, any of these other 3,999 yeah. apps in the Salesforce marketplace, they need to educate themselves to actually understand what are they, what do they do, and yeah. can we benefit from them? Well, I had, a, I had a, um, a conversation with a client yesterday, and they wanted to use asset management. Now, that sits separate outside of our CRM. Um, did a quick search on the app exchange, and there was 356 results under asset management within the Salesforce app exchange. Now, they're not all going to be relevant to this client, but I can, I would almost, you know, almost say that they'll find something within there which can then be configured and working with target recruit to give them that additional functionality. And then if that doesn't work, it can always be removed rather than doing a wholesale shift of the CRM and everything else which has been integrated with so, it. And do you know so, what, Neil, you've just given us a really great example of how a solution provider should be working with a client. Yeah. And you know, you've taken a requirement from an existing customer and you've gone out of your way to provide them the information they need to make better decisions about what they're doing. That's exactly sure. what... Uh, solution providers should be doing and, uh, and that's what people should be looking for it is it is i agree and we you know we, we hear in this industry and further afield there's a lot of like hot topics particularly right now about ai chat gbt but we also you know we you know target recruit we speak with a lot of companies who still don't necessarily have the basics in place like yeah. they have broken integrations they're literally using Excel spreadsheets mm -hmm. or manual processes to get system from one to another. They aren't able to configure their software around what they need to do. The reporting is t not all the time, but if this existing software doesn't manage it properly, it's being used through Excel. Mm -hmm. And I get that AI, you know, it, it's going to be a big portion of the future but if you start talking about AI to a lot of companies you almost you forget about that their fundamentals mm. aren't fixed so what, what's your take on on some of the newer trends yeah, in the I don't industry know if I, I don't know if I was hoping that AI wouldn't come up but it's one of those things that you <laughs> could talk about all day yeah um, you know you could almost have a separate webinar on, on AI we should have a separate webinar on, on AI at some point but if you think about where we are with AI right now, we are literally just getting at started. The very beginning. We're yeah. at the very, very beginning, and the rate at which AI is evolving is scary for anybody in this industry. Some people are absolutely lapping it up. You know, it's it's able to offer so much right now, and we're I'm, we're a few years into AI. It's only really just becoming mainstream. Um, but what excites me is the response that the industry is going to have. A bit like. You know, when uh, when we see a global pandemic, the technology industry responds by providing more features or enhancing their platform to improve those features that support clients with remote hiring, remote interviewing. Um, AI is another, it's a, it's a whole world. And actually the speed at which technology providers are, are kind of embracing AI is, is mind blowing. Mm. You know, it's almost like every day there's a new use case for AI, it's that fast. Yeah. And you know, just, just simple things, you know, we, we leverage it internally. Every time I have a, a Zoom meeting, for example, I've got an AI assistant plugged into Zoom that transcribes the entire uh, conversation. It provides me with a summary of the meeting at the end, and it's pretty accurate. Mm. The transcription's not great, mm. to be honest. I'd It'll give only it, get better. I'd, I'd give it, it will get better, yeah, yeah. we're at the beginning. Um, it will it will listen to the audio from the call, it will know exactly who's speaking based on who's logged into the call, and it will give me that transcription at the end. 
um, if I screen share, it will tell me when I started screen sharing, when I finished screen sharing. Mm. Um, and, uh, but the summary is really good. Mm. So at the end of every meeting, you know, I click a button, it generates about five or six bullet points, and it says that Rob and Neil talked about these particular topics. And it gives me you know, a timing in the video. It saves the video. I can go back to it at any point in time. And if I want a refresher or you know, if I wanted to listen to that part of the conversation again, I can go back to it. Mm. It's fantastic. Um, so we've got things like transcription, um, note-taking, call recording, meeting summaries. Um, in terms of recruitment, you know, people are using it to write job descriptions. They're using it to write job adverts. They're using it to create email communication. To, to candidates and clients. They're using it to write policy documents, not mm -hmm. something I'm necessarily going to endorse, or I might caveat that and just say, if you're going to use ChatGPT to write a policy document, make sure that you know, you've done your due diligence with the output. And, and actually, I think something like ChatGPT can be used um, to better effect if you provide it with more information in the first place. Yeah. So you know, if, you, if you ask it a simple question that gives you an answer and it's not quite what you're looking for, give it some more fuel. Um, I actually was... Uh, I was at a family get together at the weekend. This is a, a funny, funny story, I guess, a bit about, um, you know, we're talking about AI. I was at a family get together at the weekend, um, Father's Day barbecue with the parents and, and my family, I've got a big family. And I overheard my sister talking to my parents about uh, a holiday experience. She just got back from, I think they went to the Netherlands somewhere. And she was uh, reading out this email that she'd written to the holiday provider, which it was a complaint email. And I know my sister really well. And, uh, and I could tell that she'd not written this. <laughs> it was a pretty, pretty good email, you know. My lawyer wife would be proud of it. <laughs> but she was, she was basically reading out this, um, this complaint email that she'd written. Uh, and obviously, I, I called her out and said, this is ChatGPT that's done this for you, right? And she was like, absolutely. She, I just gave it a few bullet points about you know, what my complaints were. And I asked it to write me a complaint letter to this holiday company. Uh, and if I were the recipient of that email, you know, she's getting some sort of refund yeah. straight away. It was, it was so detailed. Contextualized everything and put it, it right. <laughs> exactly. That's and, incredible. And again, if you give it enough information, you know, yeah. you only really get out what you put in. That's yeah. very true of ChatGPT. The more you put in, the better yeah. you're going to get. And, and if, yeah. if it does spit something out that you don't like, ask it to change it and it'll change it. Sure. It's like all technology. Yeah. It's what you, what you put in is what you're going to get out. Yeah, I was just, just interested to see what your thoughts were on some of those guess more hot topics which are are coming are coming around and how the industry is reacting to it i think it'll be a very interesting space and i'm not even going to say in the next few years i think it's changing and evolving every single yeah. month but it'll be you know you're at the forefront of it of hearing where people are and what they want technology wise i think that'll be it'll be a really interesting space to watch well rob i think that's a, a good place to wind things up i think there's a few areas there of future discussions particularly about ai chat gbt so yeah. Let's let's keep a close eye on the market, see how those things change, and then we can pick the conversation up in a few months. Amazing. And, I'm uh, sure there'll be more AI that. stories to come. I'm sure there will be, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and more barbecues. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Great pleasure.